It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome in to the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside Mike Evans, Scott DeHub producing the show. want to thank our presenting sponsor. Um, two of them, actually, kind of. Well, kind of two of them. Um, we've got Superbook, America's Best Bet. Check it out at Superbook. And then also Monarch Meds. Check out the uh, Relief Cream and the Relief Spray at Monarch Meds. Make sure you type in the code STINK. And to get 20% off and free shipping, it's uh, something that I've invested in, uh, the CBD world, and uh, Monarch Meds is the place to do it. The relief cream and spray, type in stink for your promo code. Mike, how are you, buddy? Well, I am so happy for Dak Prescott. I was really wondering how he was going to... You know, how he's going to survive? How he's going to survive and get his next meal? Yeah, yeah. Well, good, good. Wow, hey, what listen, a deal, huh? It's a, it's a. You listen, it's a great deal, you know. And the people that are bitching about Dak Prescott holding out for market value, like it, like, do you not in your world? Do you not want market value for what you're worth? For what the? Hey, listen, you may not be worth it, but if that's what the market is willing to pay, then guess what? You've earned it. You're worth it. And it, I love it when a guy like Dak Prescott says, man, I'll roll the dice on me. I believe in me. And I'll go ahead and gamble on myself. And then you don't roll over. You don't listen. I mean, remember when Emmett Smith a year ago came out and said, well, Dak Prescott should take less and just know that you play for the Cowboys and you'll make it back in endorsement deals. Are you freaking high? Is that what you did? Come on, stop it. So, like, Dak Prescott held out. He got his $40 million a year. Good for Dak Prescott. The Cowboys weren't proactive. They shuffled their feet. Hey, when Jimmy Garoppolo came out two, three years ago, right, and signed that $27 million a year deal, and everybody's like, oh, it's just way too much, way too much. The Dallas Cowboys could have come to Dak Prescott and said, hey, you know what? We're going to let you set the market. We'll give you 28 a year. He'd be a bargain basement player right now. But they wouldn't do it. And isn't it your responsibility? As, Mike, I'll just ask you. As an organization, you draft the guy. You see what he did. His rookie year he took you to the playoffs. You draft him. You see what he is. Isn't it your responsibility not only to evaluate what he is but what he's going to be? And then to be proactive as opposed to reactive, I always I like I find it fascinating that organizations just wait to be reactive, and then then the guy is up and he becomes a free agent, and they say, well, we'll either slap the franchise tag on him, which is going to cost you a, a bigger yearly, you know, a yearly cap hit, we'll either slap the franchise tag on him or we'll let him test free agency. And instead of being proactive and saving yourself millions of dollars over the years of the of the contract, I don't understand. I don't understand. Like people don't see it. Are you sure he's a slam dunk? As, as, I mean, even before he hurt himself, are, were were you sure you were looking at a great quarterback, an elite quarterback, the, the the kind of quarterback that can lead teams to championships? Were you sure about that before he got hurt? Never mind how you feel about him. Now coming off that gruesome injury, I mean, what I'm saying is, is that is it is it fair for the Cowboys to have had reservations about this guy? It, it, it absolutely is it fair to have a reservation about a guy? Yes. 
Has he shown you that he can win games? Has he shown you that he can put up numbers? Has he shown you that he's got great leadership skills? I would say the answer to all those questions were yes early. They were yes early. Okay? So my thought process is is don't shuffle your feet. Because you know what? He may not be the top four or five guys, but he's in that next tier. And if you manage your cap well... And you and you manage your players well and your roster well. Can you win a world championship with with that type of roster? Can you go to a Super Bowl with that type of? Absolutely. San Francisco did it with Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, you know the the point the point being for me is I hate the narrative out there that. That always comes with, and I hear analysts. I hear ESPN analysts. I hear Fox analysts. I hear all all these analysts. Well, now they can't build the rest of their roster because Dak Prescott is selfish and took all the money. Is it Dak Prescott's job to be the capologist on top of being the quarterback? Don't you have some numbers nerd that does that for you? Every team has a numbers nerd, right? It's not Dak Prescott's job to help you manage your cap. It's his job to maximize his value with the way he plays. So I don't I don't understand that perspective. And then the thing that really fascinates me about Cowboy Fan, Cowboy Fan is delusional. Now we can't build our roster to create a championship team. You guys haven't been worth a squirt of piss since the middle 90s. Oh now now all of a sudden you can't now all of a sudden you're not going to be relevant. You ain't been relevant since Aikman, Emmett and Irvin. Stop it. Like, stop it. I I just, it, it fascinates me. It really does. You're, you're putting me, though, in a position that I have not found myself in that often, though. I'm kind of defending Jerry Jones and, and the idea that they should have got this deal done much, much earlier and they should have recognized, hey, I can understand why NFL owners are a little bit gun-shy about giving out these kind of contracts early. Look at Carson Wentz. Look at Jared Goff. Two examples of teams that jumped early. Did exactly what you said to do. Mm -hmm. Hey, we recognize the talent. We see where it's going. They lavished him with new contracts, and then a couple years later, you know, they're scrambling to get out from underneath them, and in the case of the Eagles, taking a horrendous cap hit just to do it. I would say that in regards, okay, and I, and I understand your point. In regards to the Rams, they jumped early on Jared Goff, but they jumped early on Todd Gurley. They jumped. They spent ridiculous amounts of money on some players they probably shouldn't have. And when Jared Goff was all of a sudden not supported. Like, you should know that Jared Goff was supported by a great defense and a great run game and a great, you know, I mean, like, the, the play action stuff and all that was created. Like, a lot of his stuff was inflated because they were a really good football team. So, there was a ceiling to Jared Goff that you probably exceeded because you were just hoping that that was going to be good enough. And when you started losing some of those other pieces, the valuable pieces, when you can't, like when you're a, a, a team based on, you're, you're a team that is is this illusion of spread team in with Los Angeles, with the Rams, that is, hey, look at how fancy we are passing. 
and ultimately you're a smash-mouth football team. You're a downhill football team. And then all of a sudden you lose your starting center and you replace him with a guy that probably should be a backup in the league. You lose your starting right guard, who's one of the most dominant right or left guard, excuse me, one of the most dominant players in football in Roger Saffold because you can't pay him because you paid Todd Gurley and because you paid, you know, because you paid Jared Goff and you paid some other players. Now all of a sudden you can't. So you let that guy go. And now all of a sudden you're not a physically dominant team up front. Two fifths of your offensive line is gone and you replace them with below average players and you think you can hide you can't hide that and so then the deficiencies of Jared Goff become apparent look what happened with Philadelphia you signed Wentz after an injury and Wentz was really good but you basically let your offensive line fall into a shambles with injuries and everything else um you drafted you drafted and paid guys you know, like Alshon Jeffrey, and you drafted uh, Jalen Rieger, who really didn't do anything his rookie year. You, you went after guys, and you let guys go. By the way, this Nelson Aguilar, who was not good for you guys, gets into a different system in with the Raiders and really becomes a prominent player. And what the Raiders had told me was, man, they had in Philadelphia, Aguilar was running the slot, and he was no good out there. He's just an elite speed outside guy. The Raiders moved him out there, and he excelled. He played great. He just wasn't a. He's not a slot player. It's just so fascinating. You like you've mismanaged your roster, and ultimately, it's always going to fall on the quarterback's shoulders. And and I told you, man, doing a Philadelphia game, I was like, they're probably the most static formation. There's not a lot of shifts. There's not a lot of motion. There's not a lot of getting guys free early. They don't want to run the ball, and they couldn't protect Carson Wentz 50 sacks in 12 games. And all of a sudden, Carson Wentz sucks. Well, you get hit enough at that position. I don't care who you are. You get hit enough, and eventually you're like, I ain't getting hit no more, man. All right, so we'll, uh, let's stay on the quarterback, Harris. Uh, well, okay, one one yeah. more thing just yeah. about, about Dak's deal. Yeah. Like, again, when it comes to Dak Prescott, man, I just can't I can't say this loudly enough. When the organizations and and fans have bought in cuz they root for laundry, like fans have bought in to the bullshit that the the teams sell them. And they sell you bullshit. The cap is not hard. The cap is as soft as as you know, the the cap is so soft that they're selling Viagra commercials for it, right? That's how soft the cap is. It is so, what's the word, malleable? Yeah. It is so manipulated. They can pay whoever the hell they want to pay. And I guarantee you this Dak Prescott deal, two years from now, if Dak Prescott is still playing great, you know what they're going to do? They're going to come to him. They're going to renegotiate. They're going to give him more upfront money. They're going to manage the cap value at $28 million a year or whatever it is, and they'll figure out a way around it. So they, Yeah, that's what that's, they did with Brady for years right. in New England. Just kept to just understand the how, down the road. Yeah. Understand, if they want to pay you, they'll find the money to pay you. Yeah. So don't don't buy into the, oh my gosh, we're pressed against this hard cap and there's nothing we can do. That is bullshit. Just like the contracts, Van Oy. I mean, here's, here is uh, what Kyle Van Oy yep. signs a four-year $51 million deal last year 
and ends up getting cut this year and it, it becoming $15 million that, that he that he realized of that $51 million. It It's all monopoly money. It all can be moved around, and they have no loyalty. So the next time, you know, a, a player outplays his contract like – like Jamal Adams and says, I want to be paid my worth. You and, and and Jet fan gets all pissed off at him and goes, honor your contract, you son of a bitch. You know, I mean, it's just it's so stupid. No, none of these contracts are, they're, they're all written on toilet paper. So I just want to make sure that we understand that this cap is as soft as the, as soft as. Whale poop? Soft yeah, as whale soft poop? as whale poop, yeah. right? Um so just understand how the, the how the league actually operates, and don't buy into the bullshit they sell you. So I'm I'm thinking about the the DAC deal, and I found myself thinking, tell me if I'm wrong, that this should only strengthen the resolve of the Houston Texans. Meaning, hmm. here's Dak Prescott, didn't play, you know, half of the season, right? Suffered a gruesome injury, and yet his value was not impacted at all. If anything, it went up despite not playing, despite being hurt. Sean Watson wasn't hurt. Deshaun Watson played. Even if he sits out this year, even if the Texans decide to play real hardball with him this year, a year from now, Sean Watson's value is not going anywhere. If anything, it's going up. Yeah. Isn't that the takeaway from from this as it relates to the the Deshaun Watson saga? I definitely think the the Houston Texans have been empowered by this contract. Should be, yeah. And um, normally I could just take this and run with it because you on our radio show are my intellectual property. It's part of the contract. But I did not actually sign the same papers with you here on the Stinking Truth podcast, so I have to give you some credit for this. Um, you're 100% right when it comes to how empowered they are and I would say this, free agency starts March 17th. Teams have to start putting their plan together, and this is going to be an epic free agent market. Guys are starting to, I mean, the, the bloodletting has started, and guys are getting cut right and left all over the league, right? And it's only going to get worse. And it's all about managing the cap, which goes down, but they're about ready to sign a new TV deal, right? Which is going to create more revenue. But the bottom line is this. this the floor has been set at $183 million, and, and teams are going to have to get under whatever it is they have to get under. So that's, that, that is starting right now, Mike. For the Houston Texans, you want to talk about, hey, you're in a world of hurt. If you're moving Deshaun Watson this year, you got to start taking phone calls immediately because teams like the Broncos or teams like Miami are going to have to put their plan together. Teams like the Carolina Panthers are going to have to put their plan together. And there are this is a this is going to be a free agent year like none other. Where normally for good players you have to pay them premium money to get a good player. There are going to be premium players that you're going to pay average money to. Now, they may be one-year mercenaries, but you can plug some holes yep. during free agency. Like, I don't think you've ever been able to truly plug holes, or you can bolster your roster, I think, this year, unlike any other year. This will be like, and, and I've told you this before, this will be like the first couple of years of free agency. I remember 1993 being a member of, of Washington, being in the weight room, 
and watching Reggie White walk into our building. First, I mean, I trickled down my leg, right? I got a little nervous, right? <laughs> Reggie freaking White. But, like, there was a time when everybody coveted everybody else's players. Yep. And so you were signing guys all over the place. Then it got to, hey, we're really not, we're really not doing much. Like, these players that are out there are out there for a reason, and they're not better than the players we have. So we be it behooves us to sign our own players and then just plug a few holes with some guys in free agency, but not overspend or break the bank in free agency. I think this is going to be your like no no other, where you can actually bolster your roster with good players that you don't have to pay a premium on anymore. Like you're actually dollar for dollar value because of the cap situation that we find ourselves in. Now, like I said, It'll be a bunch of one-year deals. But here's the point that you made that that I'm going to reiterate. If they truly want to play hardball, what stops them from saying, hey, listen, we are not negotiating with anybody except Deshaun Watson. So we're going to try to repair the relationship with Deshaun Watson. If it becomes untenable, we can't repair the relationship, then we're going to save a bunch of money and we're going to make him sit out because we own his rights. That's how it works. And next year, his value is not going to drop at all. And oh, by the way, we're going to suck. So we'll suck on our way to the first overall pick, and we still have the bargaining chip of Deshaun Watson to push out for multiple first-rounders. This could be, you know what this could be? This could be the Dallas Cowboys in the Herschel Walker deal. Ooh, whoa, 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 whoa. It's one thing to trade a running back for the haul that Dallas got and still be able to really move on and 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 re- reset your entire franchise. It's it's quite another to be give, you know, trading a 25-year-old No, I I understand that. Franchise I'm, quarterback. I'm saying I, it doesn't mean that they're going to it's going to be it I'm not saying that it's going to Oh, the results will be the same. I'm not saying the results. But at least will, you'll be setting yourself up for the chance. For the chance okay, of okay. of completely overhauling your roster yep. with a ton of potential. Now, potential is a dirty word in the NFL. Right. But I'm saying the haul that you could get after he sits for a year, and now you've got not only the number one pick, but you could get a couple of first rounders this year, a couple next year, whatever it is, whatever that haul is, you would that you you still have to do the due diligence, right? You still have to get you still have to get the players, but the haul that you could get, yeah, yeah. and and not only it's not only the haul that you could get, Mike. It's the the most valuable part of draft picks is truly the cost certainty. So let's say you get the first overall pick. You still have your you st- so it's you get your first overall pick, which, or or whatever your pick is, first or second, or whatever, depending on how crappy you are, right? So you get your pick. Now I'm trading Deshaun Watson for somebody who has two picks in this year's first round, and then uh, a first rounder and a second rounder next year, the, you know, 2023 and whatever, you know, you, you extrapolate it down. Like you think about the cost certainty of, let's say you come away at the end of the day, you got the number one overall pick. And let's say you get three more first rounders. 
I mean, you got you got four first rounders in two years, right? With five year cost certainty. So if you know you have all that, right? Down the road, if you choose to go that way, then why in the world wouldn't you do Mi- go that direction? And then maybe miracle of miracles, you somehow repair the relationship over the next year. You've bought yourself a year to try to salvage this thing. And oh, if it if it doesn't work out a year from now, you're still gonna be able to get a massive haul. Absolutely. That, that's the takeaway I get from the Dak Prescott deal. Yeah. So that that's how I would do it if I'm the Texans. Now we'll we'll see. We'll see. But I, I think you're absolutely right. If you're if you are gonna trade him this you know, in this cycle right here, I, I would think you'd have to do it before free agency because teams you, I mean, you've got teams that are are, are looking to, to spend in free agency. You got teams that what did I read? Over half the uh, half the the teams in the league are either over the cap or only within ten million dollars of what the cap is projected to be. So you know, there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be doing a lot of you know serious business here next week during free agency. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you're the Texans. You're going to be like, okay, listen, you guys all spent your free agent money and you did your plan and everything like that. Hey. Deshaun Watson right. is now available. Oh, you got a lot of teams who've basically already moved in a different direction. Yes. Right. And now you're hurting yourself if you're the Texans for what you're going to be able to get. So to me, I, I, I'm with you. You either have to do it by Sunday or not do it at all. Right. It's got to be like an FM DJ, right? FM DJ opening up the, let's kick the live lines. Give us a call. 1-800-TALK-TRASH. <laughs> right? It's probably too many letters. Right, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. It, we're kicking the live lines. <laughs> Kick, stick, rock, and live. It's the B-Man. <laughs> hey, I'm sick of it. The fans have been screwed, blue, and tattooed. <laughs> um, you know. So... Oh. By the way, one other quarterback move we uh, and only involves one of the premier franchises in the entire league, Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, working his deal, re-upped his deal, coming back a, a one-year deal for Ben Roethlisberger. See, I like that kind of stuff. Yeah. That that to me is is sending all the right messages. You know, here's a guy who said, "Look, I've made a crap ton of money in my career. At this stage, I want to win." I got maybe one more shot at this. I want to win. Right. And I realize that in order to do it, I got to work with the team to make this happen. I think it's going to take a lot more than Ben working with the team financially. I think the team has got to morph back into what won for the Steelers for years and years and years. And that is not five wides. Let's let Ben sling it. That is that is a recipe that's a recipe for being 11 and 0 and being irrelevant. That's what that is. That's a recipe for being 11 and 0 and having wise guys like you and I every week going, "This is the most flawed 11 and 0 team I've ever seen." You just you just cannot. I mean, if if this year's playoffs was any indication of what it takes to win in the playoffs, if you don't dominate the line of scrimmage, and I'm talking both offensively and defensively, you don't win. Not come playoff football time, Mike. 
you'll win a lot of regular season games if you just got a quarterback that out, you know, slings the other guy. But when push comes to shove and you've got two teams that are fairly equal, all you have to look at is Jared Goff, 11 days after thumb surgery, coming off the bench against Seattle and winning that game in Seattle in the playoffs. That had very little to do with Jared Goff. It was very little to do with Jared Goff versus Russell Wilson. It was the running game of the Rams and the defense of the Rams smashing both lines of scrimmage. Like that's that's what won that game. You talk about an identity, a loss of identity. Did you ever think you grew up a Steeler fan in Alaska? Yeah. You had a team to root for. You Steelers. rooted for the Steelers, right? You you've watched the Steeler way for decades. Mm-hmm. What is your reaction when I tell you that the Pittsburgh Steelers were dead last in the NFL in rushing yards and yards per carry? It, dead it, last. Dude, Did you it, ever think you'd see the day? No. It makes me sick. Listen, I you know why I played offensive line? You know what number I wore in high school? My high school number was. Any guess? 60, 52. 52? Mike Webster. Yeah. Mike Webster's my favorite all-time player. Yeah. God rest his soul. He's rolling over in his grave looking at what they're doing right now. <laughs> right? Mike Webster was a freaking man. Loved Mike Webster. Um, loved their offensive line. Uh, you know, Tunch Ilkin and, and oh, my God, Steve Corson and, like I loved, I love what they stood for, the way they, the way they played. Larry Brown, I, I love, I love the Steelers. I loved offensive line play. I, this is how weird I am. Um, I'm watching it as a kid, you know. Even before I, even, even you know, when I was like before I really put my hand in the dirt, I, I don't. It was something about Mike Webster lining up with a short sleeve shirt on, and just had the guns, and I was like. Dude, that dude is the balls. And just dispensing justice out there, you yeah. know, doing his thing. Um, really was a Now they're throwing it 45 huge, times a game. Yeah, huge, huge O-line fan and Mike Webster fan. God, Like I said, God rest his soul. He's, uh, he's the reason I wanted to play O-line. And um, anyhow... That's an identity, right? Right, and, and I just am, I'm lost. Culture. I'm lost reminiscing. I mean, I love Bradshaw, and I love Swan, and I loved Stallworth and Franco Harris and Rocky Blyer, and and you know, and and Elsie Greenwood and Joe Green and Mike. You know, I mean, uh, gosh, but should it be that hard Jack for them Ham, to Jack get Lambert. back to that though? I guess it's I mean, I don't now. think they're that far removed. I, I mean, this harder, was still an 11 and 0 team. However right. flawed they may have been, this was still an 11 and 0 team. It's not but like you, the cupboard is bare. Right, you have to make up your mind that you're going to be that. You have to say, "Hey man, no more of this nonsense." Can you can you do that? Remember, it's harder now than it's ever been because you don't get to practice. That that is a coming off the ball, that is a skill. Um, I just had a team reach out to me about coming coming when things clear up, coming out to their facility to go over some stuff, but they want to start doing some Zoom meetings because they need to 
they, they need to figure out their outside zone game. How do we run the outside zone? And so, you know, I'll start doing some Zoom meetings with this particular team. Um, but it is it is one of those things in a day and age, especially now, where you don't get that time. So you have to be as efficient as possible with what little time you do have. And, and how can we understand? Like I, I was watching film last night. Um, of this particular team, and they're running back, you know, that game, 23 carries for 90-some-odd yards or whatever it was. And I'm like, should have been 150. Really? You, oh, yeah. You clean up. You clean up some technique and some scheme stuff. Like, you just clean up scheme stuff. Like, one of the issues with the league today, and I see it every week, one of the issues is that teams are so dialed in. There's so many eight-man fronts, and there's so many rotated safeties down, you know, and whether you're um, free safety up, your FUP, or your SUP, you know, whatever your term is. Like, there's so there's so much that goes on here. And teams are so, offensive teams are so concerned about getting to the second level that they don't block the first level. (laughs) Right. Right? And my thought process is always, if you stay on path, right, eventually that second level has to fire a trigger, has to fire its gun, and they have to come to you. And if we can mosh pit them for six yards, let's mosh pit their asses for six yards. Like, just, just like if you can get that consistently, because you start doing that, and eventually, man, those runs, those run, like defenses just quit. They and they and they don't quit intentionally. They give they quit because they can't. They can't hold up anymore. You just roll them over, and I tell you, it's it. Like stuff like that gets me going. Like when you oh, see I can tell. when you see it, you, when yeah. you see it, you're like, ah, you know what? Why are you like? Why are you doing? Like what? What's your? I want to know their thought process. Like why would you do that? And and obviously it's being coached, but it's being coached and and like I say this all the time. Don't put a guy in an untenable position, and then. Wonder why he can't get it done, right? Don't get, don't put a guy in a position where he can't actually block somebody. Like you've put him in such a shitty position, and then be mad that he didn't get it done. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'll never understand that. And so this, there's just so many little things that you can clean up. Um. Anyhow, so that 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 stuff excites me. You know, I get I get like I'm sitting. I'm sitting in my in my kitchen last night while my watch is my my wife my watch while my wife is watching The Voice, and I'm looking at yeah. coaches tape. Coaches tape. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, I'll be right over here in yeah. the kitchen. Yeah, watching coaches yeah. tape. Yeah, it is. It's like, well, it's like porn for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, it just. I just, mean, when you watch an offensive line that's truly clicking, that's oh, like porn for you. Oh, it's. It, <laughs> It, it's phenomenal, 
And when you watch, when you watch and you see little things, I'm like, like I'm, I'm just saying little technique things that give you, that give you, it, it doesn't even have to be a lot, Mike. It's two tenths of a second where you stay engaged for two tenths of a second better. That's the difference between a 15 yard breakout and second down and nine. Yeah. Yeah. Two yeah. tenths. Yeah. Two tenths. Yeah. And think about this was that with, with as much shotgun run as there is now, and there's a ton of shotgun run, that snap goes back to the quarterback. Then all of a sudden that running back takes off, right? There's your two-tenths of a second. And so, because when you take the snap from under center, you're taking the snap, you're working. The running back is moving. So you take the snap, running back takes off, you're meeting the running back halfway point. When you have to wait and you're at five yards, you have to wait for the snap to catch it. And then you feed it to the running back. Tenth of a second, Mm two-tenths of a second. Mm Mm-hmm. It's the difference, again, that's the difference between a five, six-yard run. And I'll go back to two years ago when Chris McCaffrey was a 1,000-1,000 guy. He averaged, I can't remember exactly the numbers, but it was like under center, they averaged, like he averaged, I think it was 5.06 yards per carry under center. In shotgun, he averaged 3.82 per carry. And it's just the difference of having to hold the block for two-tenths of a second more. Right. And so if you can gain through technique two-tenths of a second, guess what? How much better opportunity does your back have? Like those are the things that really that, that fascinate me about the run game right. that have just been lost because it's just easier to throw it. Yep. They're begging you to throw it. Yeah, the, the, they want you to throw. <laughs> That's what they do. That's what so, they want. Yeah, fascinating. They want. Fascinating. Good I don't stuff. even know how we got on that. That's topic, all right. But... No, hey, we talk about the Steelers and getting back to their identity. And yeah, you watch if they do. Watch how all of a sudden the Steelers look a whole lot different. Oh my gosh, it would be, and it'd be, it'd be cool to see them get back. Remember, they Ben Roethlisberger won two Super Bowls with a great run game. Now, one of them he should have been the MVP because that one against Arizona, he was phenomenal. That. I think he should have won the MVP. But but the bottom line is you get back to being a balanced football team, control line of scrimmage, and it, it's amazing how much better I think the Steelers would be. They got some smart people there. I, I'm i pretty confident they'll figure it out. You're 100% right. Hey, for everybody involved in the Sinking Truth Podcast, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. For Mike, myself, for Scott, thank you. Great folks over at Superbook. Thank them for uh, sponsoring the podcast. Also want to thank uh, the folks over at Monarch Meds. MonarchMeds.com. Check it out. Uh, the Relief Spray and Cream, a great CBD product. I actually uh, liked it so much that I bought into the company. Um, that is Monarch Meds. Uh, use the promo code STINK for uh, 20% off and free shipping. Uh, for everybody involved in the Stink Truth Podcast, we'll be back with you later on in the week.